Australia is filled with beautiful landscapes, the Sydney Opera House, and the Hemsworth Brothers. It's also dripping with things that will kill you. Taipan snakes, box jellyfish, funnel web spiders. But most dangerous of all might be their criminals. Don't get us wrong, we love our Australian weirdos, but the continent is known for horrifying true crimes. So today we're counting down the top 10 crimes from Australia. Hey, all you weirdos, welcome to Crime Countdown, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. Every week, we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes, all picked by the Parcast research gods. This episode, we are counting down the top 10 Australian crimes. All I want in my lifetime <laughs> is to go to Australia. It's weird. It feels like it's like a different world, like especially to Americans. I think we're like, it would be a different world stepping off the plane. I mean, it would be. It would be to me. I agree with you. But in like a weird way through morbid, I feel like Australia has become like a second yeah. home for us that we just haven't <laughs> been to yet. <laughs> that home we neglect like, to go to. Does that make sense? Yeah, it really does. Like it's our home where we're just a little scared to go there because of all the spiders and, you know, the terrifying murders that happen. Those. But it's like maybe we would develop better accents and then the Boston ones would go away. The ones that people think we have, even though you mostly have one, not me. Ked, what are you even talking about? <laughs> My accent is barely there. You're dumb. <laughs> Isn't it kind of weird how an Australian accent can make you kind of forgive a lot of misdeeds? You're like, what was that, sir? <laughs> Just say that again <laughs> say and that I'll one forgive more you. Time, mate. You could forgive a lot of things, but like not the things on this countdown. No. At all? <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> so, you know, this week Elena has the evens and I've got the odds all stacked up in Australia. I've got five crazy cases from down under, and so does Elena, but neither of us knows which one the other has. Let's start the countdown. This episode is brought to you by the Inspire Collection by Kalia. Ladies, your workouts are about to get an upgrade. The new Inspire leggings by Kalia are exactly what you want when it comes to activewear. It's their most versatile collection yet. They look good, feel good, and stay put. Using Lycra Adaptive Fiber, it compresses and molds to the body like a second skin. And it's unbelievably stretchy, so you can move however you want. Shop the Inspire Collection by Kalia now, exclusively at Dick's Sporting Goods. With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Ten. I'll start us off with number 10, brilliant Australian artist and incredible liar, Florence Broadhurst. Florence was a wallpaper and graphic designer whose vibrant career and life ended when she was brutally murdered on October 15, 1977. She was found dead in her studio, according to the Sydney Morning Herald, 
with, quote, her fingers broken and her body battered. Ooh, that's Not dark. Cool. Very dark. She was born and raised on a remote cattle ranch, but this was a life that she ended up escaping and also denying. She claimed that she was an aristocrat instead. Oh, like a Rockefeller type. Just claim it and live it. If you say it, it's true. There you go. Manifest it, Florence. <laughs> At the age of 60, she full-on reinvented herself as a designer and opened up her own studio, and her work became iconic. At 60. See, I told you, she manifested it. She did. It. it was in homes and businesses all over the world. But here's a twist for you. Uh-oh. As always. Because this isn't just a happy story about Florence and her wonderful bustling business, of course. <laughs> She allegedly paid other graphic designers to do the work for her and then peddled them as her own. That makes a lot of sense. Shady. Shady Florence. Many think John Wayne Glover, aka the granny killer, was the one who killed Florence. Was she a granny? I mean, she was 60. Eh. People like you would consider it a granny. You consider me a granny. <laughs> I do. She was found with two cups of tea by her body, and this indicated that the killer was someone she might have known. Which is strange. Yeah, he spilled the tea. And you're like, does she know John Wayne Glover? I don't does know. Does that add up? Well, Florence had apparently sat next to Glover at the wedding of one of her employees. So she might have actually known this guy. Oh, and then she was like, come have tea with me come sometime. Come have some tea, John. And he was like, I will, and then I'll murder you. Because I'm the granny killer. Nine. At number nine is the murder of Dr. James Yates. In September of 1960, Diana Yates found her husband dead on the garage floor. At first, the death seemed accidental. James was a well-liked surgeon, but then the details just didn't add up. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So Dr. Yates' car was left running with the door open just outside the garage, and there was a broken light bulb found next to his body. Ooh. Isn't that super weird? Yeah, that's strange. The autopsy revealed he had a hypodermic syringe stuck in his heart with seemingly medical precision. Okay, well, he's a surgeon. But do you think he stuck it in his own heart? I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there. Just kidding, I do now. <laughs> and there was a large amount of adrenaline in his system. Okay. Weirdly. Hmm. So he got stoked to do this. He's super psyched. Totally kidding. Dr. Hedberg, a close friend of the Yates family, confessed that he had purchased adrenaline days before the murder. Uh-oh. And he said it had been stolen out of his car. Hmm. But what's weird about this is that it's a detail he gave police before they even knew that Dr. Yates had adrenaline in his system. Hedberg. So it's like, there okay, you thank you for that confession. That's just like Dr. Hedberg to do that. I know, right? So Dr. Hedberg and Dr. Yates's wife were having an affair, by the what? way. Mm-hmm. What? And Dr. Hedberg's wife was also conveniently deceased. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he is not a good Hedberg. doc. What's going on? What is going on? This is the craziest thing of all. No one was charged for the murder what? of James Yates. And then get this. Diana Yates and Dr. Hedberg ended up marrying in May of 1964. He did it. To that I say, rude. Come on. You can't, like, marry your husband's killer. Hello. Eight. Number eight on our countdown of top 10 Australian crimes is the Sydney hostage crisis, also known as the Lint Cafe siege. In December 2014, a gunman burst into a chocolate shop in Sydney, taking 18 people hostage. 
Two of the hostages were killed, as well as the gunman himself. The gunman's motive is confusing at best, and the authorities handling the situation made things even worse. Oh, good. Always good. So the gunman yelled that Australia was under attack by the Islamic State as he entered the cafe. This was not true. Okay. It's probably to cause panic. That's going to cause panic in anybody's right, head. Right, obviously. He also didn't really use social media in any way that would ring alarm bells. He only had 12 followers on Twitter, and he never really posted anything that shed light on his terrorism claims. Okay. So it's weird, because usually they use social media to their advantage. Yeah, that's like a big thing. Yeah. He claimed he was a Shia Muslim cleric, but he wasn't. So there's a lot of things he's saying that are just not true. You have a lot of liars on your Lots list so far. He did not have any contact with the Islamic State or any other terrorist groups. Well, that's so good. He's a lone wolf. Okay. The gunman even demanded to have a debate with the Prime Minister of Australia on radio. Strange demand. What? Yeah, weird flex, but okay. The primary police negotiator? He had never handled a hostage situation. Oh, that's Which who you want on the job. Not great. Mm -mm. Not great. He had no counterterrorism experience other than role playing with his colleagues. But then again, like you have to start somewhere. You sure do. You got to start with an RPG first. One of the hostages died after being hit by fragments of a bullet fired by the police. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah, it's just bad all around. Yeah, that's not good. Seven. At number seven this week is one of Australia's most notorious missing children's cases, the disappearance of Rihanna Barrow. Twelve-year-old Rihanna went missing from her home on October 7, 1992. Her whereabouts remain unknown to this day. Whenever a kid goes missing from their house, it stresses me out. That is the most terrifying thing it's ever. It's supposed to be safe. It is. So Rihanna was off of school that day, and she was supposed to have lunch with her mom at a local shopping center. But unfortunately, the bus drivers had gone on strike, so she wasn't able to get there. Bad coincidence. Very bad. Instead, she walked to a nearby newsagent, which is like a newspaper stand, and she wanted to buy a Christmas card for her American pen pal. That's so precious. Which is the most pure thing ever. She was spotted at 12.30 p.m. walking home, but her mom got home and realized that the house was empty, the TV was on, there was records on the floor, and that Christmas card was still in the bag. Oh, so she got home. So she made it home. The police went public with a sighting of a suspicious car, but it led them nowhere. Evidence led to the speculation that the notorious Victorian predator, Mr. Cruel, might be responsible. Ooh. Cruel abducted his child victims during school holidays, so this made sense, and a lot of them were taken from their homes. So again, it all adds up. But police couldn't make a full connection. So sad, and they never found out where she was. They never found her. Oh, that kills me. Me too. Six. Also on our list at number six is murderer Kim Leanne Snibson. Kim is an awful woman who lived in the small farming community of Naura Hill. She brutally murdered a couple who she knew, put their bodies in 44-gallon barrels, and set them on fire. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's fine. What? Just people you know. Anytime, like, a body goes in a barrel, it gives me a lot of anxiety. And you know what? There's a couple of really intense Australian cases with bodies in barrels. Yeah, I feel like barrels are just, like, at the ready there. What's happening, Australia? Well, Kim Snibson kept horses at the horse stud owned by Catherine Mackay and her husband, Greg. 
She fell behind on payments, but the couple was understanding. But then Kim refused to pay on the ground she did work at the stud. So already it's like, I'm... It's Come like on. you were already making payments and now you stop. Yeah. That's not a valid argument. Already Kim is a shady character. Yeah, exactly. Well, then Kim's husband left her and took their two daughters with him, which seems like he made a good move. Mm -hmm. A friend moved in with her and Kim tells this friend horrible lies about the couple. Oh, good. Yeah. At some point, that friend, Kim, and a third accomplice murder Catherine and Greg, beat them, suffocate them, and put them in barrels. Kim planned to have Catherine and Greg sign over their property to her, which is the same way she inherited her current land from the dead owner. Sus much? Very sus. Just saying? You can't acquire land from a lot of dead people because that looks bad. Kim is an awful person. All three ended up sentenced to prison, but luckily Kim Snibson was sentenced to 32 years in 2008. I can't believe that's all she got. I know, she should have got more. Seriously. Bye, Kim. Wow, this list is bleak so far. Ooh, I've never heard of Kim Snibson. Oh, I have. When we did the Australian live show, I was looking for a case and I was like, maybe I'll do that. And then I, I didn't was come like, across that one. That's a real bummer. <laughs> That's a real bummer. Never one. mind. And then the Rihanna one. I just want to know where she is. I know. I want to know so bad. I hope she's still alive. I hope she is. I hope she's okay. I like to have that. Uh, you know, there's a couple that I'm waiting for. And I think everybody probably knows which ones we're waiting for. Yeah, 100%. They got to be there. Definitely. I know one's there. Let's find out. Let's do it. Hi, it's Vanessa from Parcast. They say there's someone for everyone, a soul to share your secrets with, a companion to grow old with, a conspirator to commit crimes with. Starting this February on Spotify, learn about the lethal and legendary lovers who fought the law in the Parcast Limited series, Criminal Couples. If you've ever referred to your best friend or beloved as your partner in crime, this exclusive series is for you. Beginning February 1st, join me for a collection of unlawful love stories from shows across the Parcast network. Discover the extreme beliefs of cult leaders Tony and Susan Alamo, enter Fred and Rose West's real-life house of horrors, and experience the madness and motives of the San Francisco witch killers. Fall for the most famous and feared pairs in history in the Spotify original from Parcast, Criminal Couples. Enjoy two-part episodes every Monday starting February 1st. Follow Criminal Couples free and exclusively on Spotify. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Five. All right, let's jump back in with number five on our countdown of the top 10 Australian crimes. Starting off the second half of our list, Christopher Scase. In the 80s, Scase built a billion-dollar empire. He was a stockbroker, became a property developer, and once owned a TV network, clubs, and resorts. 
He was doing the damn thing. But then he became Australia's most well-known fugitive. That's a downward trend. It really just flipped on a dime. (laughs) Yeah, no good. So Christopher's case is sort of like America's Jordan Belfort, the wolf of Wall Street. He got real rich and had the lifestyle to prove it. Scase was a journalist in the 60s. He invested in a tin mining company called Quintex in the mid-70s. Look at him. In 1975, he became chairman and bought a Queensland television station. He eventually owned two-thirds of Australia's television market. He also made a bid to buy Hollywood studio MGM United Artists, but he came up short when the first installment of uh, $50 million was due. Oh, come on. You can't foot that? I could do that. Yeah. No, Find it in your couch. So this led to Quintex bankruptcy in 1990, but he continued to pay himself and his employees management fees of $40 million. Oh, just that. It's like, I don't think you have that, though. Don't do that. You're bankrupt. So owing hundreds of million and facing multiple charges of corporate impropriety led him to make a run, potentially a sprint, honestly, <laughs> to Spain. It was likely a sprint. Like, I got to get out of here. I'm headed to Spain. I'm out. The Australian government tried and failed to get him extradited. He had developed lung cancer and claimed that he was too sick to travel. Convenient. He actually spent 10 years living a lavish lifestyle in Spain on a bunch of stolen money. Wow. All right. (laughs) And then he died of cancer in 2001 at 54 years old. That's young. He lived a wild life. He really did. Four. Landing at number four this week is one of Australia's most wicked criminals, Mr. Cruel. We mentioned him at number seven with the Rihanna Barrow case. Mr. Cruel is a child predator who lives basically as a police sketch because we still don't know who he is. But his disgusting acts from the late 80s to early 90s are very real, unfortunately. He is one of the most terrifying of all time. Mr. Cruel is the most metal nickname, like the coolest nickname, but he is the worst person to get it. I know, right? Like it fits, but I hate that it fits because it's a cool nickname. I agree. Hate it. It's like the Night Stalker and all that. You don't want him to have cool nicknames. Like Elena wants all those cool nicknames. I want those nicknames. <laughs> Someone said that you should be on a watch list for this. Yep. And this is just proving that. They definitely did. So there's that. Well, Mr. Cruel could be responsible for around a dozen attacks on children. He's officially linked to four, all in the northeast suburbs of Melbourne. Here's his terrifying M.O. Are you ready? No. Do you want to hear this terrifying M.O.? I know Mr. it. Mr. Cruel? And I don't even want to think about it. So Mr. Cruel wore a mask, which already I hate. Mm -hmm. I don't like masks. And it's like they're children. Like they're scaring the crap out of children. And broke into homes armed with a knife and a handgun. He would never let victims see his face. He also kept his victims blindfolded so they could never give police any identifiable information. So Mm -hmm. they weren't going to see his face, but they also weren't going to see anything that they could give police. He was like covering his tracks times two. Like no shoes, no clothes, nothing that they could say. He did let victims go after assaulting them, which so nice of him. Yeah, gee, thanks. But he is believed to have killed 12-year-old Carmen Chan in 1991 because she saw his face. Oh, that's so sad. That hurts my heart so much. So I wonder if Rihanna saw his face. I wonder. Maybe. That could have been it. At Carmen's home, he spray-painted a message. It said, payback Asian drug dealer and more to come. What? What, Mr. Cruel? Like, you're just being stupid at this point. You're being Mr. Stupid. I just want to call him something very, like, generic. I want to be like, you know, Craig. 
I like that. He's Craig. He is a Craig. No offense to any Craigs out there. It's just a very normal name. It is. He doesn't get a Mr. Steve. Steve. Well, here's the issue with this. There's a complete lack of DNA or any forensic evidence surrounding his identity. Mm. He's like a ghost. He is. There was a theory that the Golden State Killer and Mr. Cruel were the same person because there was a lot of similarities in their behavior, in their M.O.s. Which you could kind of see. You could see You're that. Like, I see that. I mean, different continents. So Imagine if he was just going back and forth from Australia Can to America. That would be the most dedicated serial killer on planet Earth. That would be the most terrifying. Which would be in like the Kuiper Belt of Scary. Seriously. Yeah. But after the Golden State Killer, Joseph James D'Angelo's capture in 2018, what, what, they ruled this out as a theory. Mm. So that kind of stinks. Womp, womp. Mr. Cruel, you suck. Number three on our countdown of Australian crimes is Catherine Knight. There she is. Hello, Nana. In October 2001, Catherine was convicted for the murder of her partner, John Price. But as we mentioned when we talked about her in our creepy cannibal episode, it wasn't just that she killed John. She then planned to feed him to her children. How did Kathy get to that point in her life? What's wrong, Kathy? I'm going to let you know. Kathy's father was a violent alcoholic who unfortunately raped her mom multiple times a day and brutally beat the whole family. Okay, that's a bad beginning. That's a rough start. And her mom frequently discussed details of the rape openly with her children oh. and told them how much she hated men and sex. Oh, I forgot about all the details I of know. this. It was a long time ago that we did it on Morbid. Yeah. At 15, Kathy dropped out of school and she had never learned how to read or write. Wow. She began working at a clothing factory because she didn't have to do either there. Yeah, there you go. She tried to strangle her first husband named David oh. on their wedding night. Do you remember why? I know it had to do with, like, her somewhat voracious sexual appetite. Ew, so gross. That he was not keeping up with. He would only have sex with her three times, and then he fell asleep. So she tried to strangle him. Yeah, she tried to strangle him. She did strangle him. Three times? Three times. Like, Like, girl. Sister, calm down. Nighty night. Chill. Now, John Price went into the relationship knowing her reputation, although he did end up filing a restraining order against her, but he also stayed around her after he filed the restraining order. It was a very messy relationship. Yeah, it's an abusive relationship. Kathy stabbed him more than 37 times and then began to cook parts of him to serve to the children. That's bad momming. That's a whole lot of everything wrong in this world. Just give him some dino nuggets. Yeah. Not John Price. Mac and cheese, anything will do. It's way easier. Breakfast, dinner, just whatever you can do other than dad. Poor John. Three psychiatrists interviewed her before her trial, and she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. She was also the first Australian woman sentenced to life imprisonment without parole. And she deserved that honor. She certainly did. Oh, I'm so glad to see Catherine on there. Yep, Nana from Australia. You gotta see her. And Mr. Cruel. I've come across his case like a ton of times. Yeah. But it didn't pop in my head until I read it on here. I was like, oh, yeah. That is a rough one. That's one. That's a big one. I saw Kim Snibson. I saw her when I was researching. So as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, yeah. The Snibs. Ring a bell. There she is. There's still one that I know is on here. I've been waiting for I feel like I know who it is. You gotta know who it is. Yeah, that twinkle in your eye really tells me (laughs) something. twinkle in my eye. 
This episode is brought to you by Etsy. So you need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. And it needs to say, I'm a thoughtful person, and I appreciate you, and I know exactly what you like, all at the same time. Well, Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life, like the pickleballer, the jazz fan, or the pasta lover. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there's something for everyone on Etsy. Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Two. We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of the top 10 Australian crimes. At number two, the backpacker murderer, Ivan Milat. I knew it. There he is. Malat is a violent killer who was convicted of murdering seven hitchhikers in 1996, and he's considered Australia's worst serial killer. I could see that. Ivan deserves that reputation. Ivan. Ivan Malat. Mark Whitaker and Les Kennedy wrote a book about the case saying Malat would often brag to his friends about his capacity for violence. You don't do that with your friends? No, I'm not like, cool, I'm so unhinged. I am literally the most violent. <laughs> I, am, I will hit everybody. I'm like, I'm so chill. I have all the chill. <laughs> I just love hitting grannies. That's oh, what gosh. I love to do. So as he got older, his crimes got more severe including being tried for but acquitted of raping an 18-year-old female hitchhiker. Oh, that's so sad. So his capacity for violence was actually there. He was not just bragging. He was being truthful. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, that also became his M.O., picking up unsuspecting hitchhikers, killing them, and leaving their bodies all in the same area in the forest. Two people stumbled upon one of the bodies and alerted police, who found more remains. Paul Onions was the only survivor of an attack by Ivan Milat. He escaped and flagged down another car as they got near the forest. Then Paul and the driver of the car he flagged down gave a description that led police to the killer himself. We love Paul Onions. Paul Onions, hero. And he gets better. Paul Onions originally turned down the reward money for information, but then asked for it and donated it to a charity for the victim's families. Like, it does not get better than Paul, Paul Onions. Onions. Is someone cutting onions in here? Because I'm a cry. Paul Onions, hero among men. We love Paul Onions. Police interviewed Malat after his cancer diagnosis, but there was no deathbed confession because he's a monster who wanted to take it all with him. Remember the creepiest part about this is his girlfriend was pictured wearing the shirt of one of the victims he that he loved killed. to do that. He would give like his girlfriend or he would wear the clothing of his victims so and then take pictures creepy. and like it was something he like got off on. That other people didn't know. Oh, Ivan. One. And that brings us to number one on our countdown of the top 10 Australian crimes, Matthew DeGrucci's murder of his family. 
In March 1996, then 18-year-old Matthew DeGrucci bludgeoned his mother, younger brother, and sister to death in their New South Wales home in what the judge called a frenzied attack. I gotta know more about this one. All right, I'll tell you. So he alerted a neighbor that something was wrong with his family, and he discovered the bodies after coming home from his girlfriend's place. He was lying. That is a lie. He lied. He lied. Like a liar. Like a liar. Exactly. His own mother's injuries were the worst, but they were all really, really bad. A pathologist described all the victims as looking like plane crash victims. Ooh. Oh, you know what? I think I have heard of this one. That's saying a lot. Oof. Ugh. He left a handwritten note with to-do items like knife one, have shower, hit arm with pole, and hit leg with pole. It's like, you have to write that down? Yeah. Did you really need a step-by-step? Can we not mentally store Hits that? leg with pole. Or just not do that at all? That's concerning and terrifying. It is. And he also left his blood stains on the note. So that was stupid. Good job. Yeah. No murder weapon was ever found, though. But it's thought to be a carjack handle or something similar. Ooh. Which I can only imagine how much that would hurt. That mixed with rage is no good. No. He was sentenced to a maximum of 28 years in jail. But are you ready? No. He is out. No. He's out. DeGrucci was released on parole from Long Bay Correctional Complex after spending two decades in jail. I hate that. It's not that long for murdering your entire family. Murdering to the point where the pathologist said they looked like plane crash victims. Like, how are you out of jail? How? His parole officer told him to seek help. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Seek help. Yeah, he was like, seek help, son. Just get a little help if you have trouble integrating back into society. It'll work out. It'll work itself out. Oh, yeah. Matthew also must undergo constant psychological counseling, which is good. Yeah. And also, maybe we should have just like kept him in jail. Yeah. So we wouldn't have to worry about that. I don't like this. And he's not allowed to contact any of his family members other than his dad. Yeah. Can you imagine being one of his family members right now? No, thank you. I hate that. I don't want any part of that. No, Matthew. Wow, that, that last one. I know. I had come across that name before and I'd seen like little bits and pieces. I had no idea he was out. I actually had no idea about that case at all. That's unreal. I know. I'm going to be honest, though. I think Ivan should have been number one. Yeah, I could see that. I'm going to be nitpicky. If you're going to nitpick the podcast research gods, maybe DeGrucci number two and there then Ivan go. number one. Just switch them up. And there was one that I was thinking about, which is the Beaumont children. Do I know that one? That one's a crazy one. It's missing kids and it's a crazy case. Oh. I actually want to cover it on Morbid really bad. Okay, we'll have to do that. And I was trying to think if there was any other ones, but I mean, they covered all the big ones, I think. Yeah, I can't think of any other ones. Yeah. Good job, podcast Research Gods. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other podcast shows for free on Spotify. Spotify has all your favorite music and podcasts all in one place. They're making it easier to listen to whatever you want to hear for free on your phone, computer, or smart speaker. 
And if you can't get enough of these creepy crimes, check out our After Crime Countdown podcast playlist on Spotify, where we've handpicked even more episodes about this week's stories that we think you'll enjoy. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like us, which you do because you're here, thank you so much. We like you too. Hi there. You should listen to our other podcast, Morbid, a true crime podcast. You can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts or follow us on Instagram at Morbid Podcast or Twitter at A Morbid Podcast. And we hope that you keep it weird, but not as weird as they do in Australia, I guess. Until next Monday. Yeah, keep it good Australian weird. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Crime Countdown is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. Produced by John Cohen and associate produced by Jonathan Ratliff. Fact-checking by Cara Mackerline. Research by Ambika Chotera, Jay Cahio, and Mickey Taylor. Crime Countdown stars Ash Kelly and Elena Urquhart. Hi, it's Vanessa again. Before you go, don't forget to check out the new ParCast limited series, Criminal Couples. From apocalyptic cult leaders to bank-robbing bandits to married mafiosos, these couples give new meaning to Till Death Do Us Part. Enjoy two-part episodes every Monday starting February 1st. Follow Criminal Couples free and exclusively on Spotify.